man, I tell you, I got to, I got to preach good now to keep up with this. This is awesome. Amen. Hard to follow. Hard, to, yeah. But no, I, I, I'm going to just share with you today some, uh, uh, a word from the Lord. I believe today I haven't preached along this line in a couple of years. But uh, I don't know if anyone, um, if anybody is aware or not, but uh, the third Sunday of January every year is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. How many of y'all knew that? Anybody? Nobody? See, that's why I'm preaching on it. We need to know that. Amen? It's a Sunday that's been set aside to remember and to honor the sanctity of human life. And... Um, so I want to I want to ask you to turn with me today in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. All right. How many knows? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many knows? I've said this before. How many knows what Deuteronomy means? It's the second giving of the law. Moses was giving the law again to Israel before they. Uh, before they passed over into the promised land. And so he's telling them here in Deuteronomy chapter number 30, if you'll turn there, chapter number 30, he's telling them here um, what they need to do when they go into the land, into the promised land. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 15 of Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Beginning with verse number, number 15, I'm going to read down through the end of that chapter, through verse 20. Let me, grab me a, let me grab me a water here. Deuteronomy chapter number 30 and verse 15, if you're there, say amen. amen. And they will have it for you here on the screen. And um, follow along with me this morning. Chapter 30 and verse 15, God says this. See, I have set before you today... Life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess." But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you're drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and to possess. Verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. That I have set before you, notice this, God speaking, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to you, to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give unto them. And I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning uh, from this uh, text, from this passage on choose life. Choose life. Father, we thank you today for the precious Holy Spirit that is here, the presence of the Lord that is here in this house this morning. I ask for your help today as I minister your word. I ask for your precious anointing that you will give me the words, speak through my lips today, Lord. Think through my mind today. Give me what you want me to give to your people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Are you all with me now? On January the 13th, 1984, President Ronald Reagan issued a proclamation designating January the 22nd as the very first National Sanctity of Human Life Day. 
It was on January 22, 1973. That was the day that the United States Supreme Court legalized abortion on demand in all 50 states. Churches, as I said a while ago, usually recognize the third Sunday in January as Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And that's what we're doing today. Our nation today, I don't think I have to tell you this, but our nation is divided. Our nation today, the United States of America, is divided on a lot of different issues today and on a lot of different in a lot of different areas, but the one issue that we are divided in uh, upon today in America that has divided us into two camps is the abortion issue. There are two different camps today. There are the, those who are pro-choice. The pro-choice people are those who favor abortion. They favor the taking of a life while it's still in the womb or even while it is partially out of the womb. Then the other camp is the one that we belong to, and I I trust that everybody here today does, but the other camp, the other side of this coin, is the pro-life folks. and Those are the ones who oppose the taking of the lives of the unborn. So the question is, and I know there's a lot of debate and a lot of argument on this particular subject, and and, uh, a, a lot of people have a lot of different issues and a lot of different views on this and opinions on this. But you know what, my opinion, my opinion on this doesn't matter and your opinion doesn't matter, but what does matter is what does God have to say about the situation? Because that's what really matters, isn't it, when it's all said and done? And I know there are those today that don't really care what God has to say, but that's the, that's the issue today is where does God and the Bible stand on the issue of pro-choice, pro-life, on the issue of abortion? Because it, it matters not what the politicians think or what they say. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court justices decree or what they say or what anybody else thinks. But what really matters today is how does God and His Word address this issue? So when we look into the Word of God, now listen to what I'm about to tell you this morning because when we look in the Scripture and in the Scriptures that I read to you this morning from the book of Deuteronomy, we see that God is both choice and life. He's pro-choice in the realm and in the respect that he has made man a free moral agent and he has given us the power and the ability to make our own choices. How many know that? You can choose what you want to do. God has given you that freedom and that ability to choose. You can choose whether you want to live for God or whether you don't want to live for God. God doesn't force you to make choices. But God, God, however, also, even though He is pro-choice and given us all the ability to choose, God also gives us His Word as a guideline to help us to make the right choice and to choose the right thing. God encourages us and He tells us what to choose. And in the text that I read to you today, He said, I set before you life and death, cursing and blessing. And He said, it's up to you to make a choice. And then God tells us, gives us the direction and tells us what He wants us to choose. And He says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. It's kind of like being on Let's Make a Deal and them saying there's a big deal behind either curtain number one, two, or three, and then for them to say, pick number one. I mean, it's, you know, that's where the good stuff's at. And so God is making that, um, telling us that today, and he, he is pro-life. He encourages us to choose life. So on the basis of that, I think that we can safely say today that God is pro-life. Can I get an amen? 
He does give us a choice. He does tell us that you have the freedom to choose. But then he tells us what he wants us to choose and he tells us to choose life. Jesus said that the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But he said, but I am come that you might what? Have what? Have life and have life more abundantly. So God is all about life. God is all about choosing life. God is all about abundance. And so the Lord warns us that not choosing life is a bad choice that includes a curse upon it. In verse number 19 there of Deuteronomy 30, he said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. So there's a curse that goes along with choosing death and not choosing life. Well, I don't want any part of that. Can I get an amen? In 2019, just two years ago, it was on the anniversary of the uh, Roe versus Wade decision in uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, the state of New York, and many of you all will remember this, but the state of New York passed a very controversial new abortion law that was called the Reproductive Health Act. And uh, it's amazing how they tried to put abortion into health care and link it with health care, but it was called the Reproductive Health Care Act, and it, it made late term abortions virtually an on-demand prospect even up until the due date in certain situations. The law that they, that they passed in New York stated this. It said abortion will be available on demand up until birth if the woman wants to terminate her fully formed child because she claims it is too much for her to deal with financially, emotionally, or otherwise. She will be allowed to do so. And it was signed, of course it was passed by the New York State Legislator, and it was, it was signed by Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. And it's amazing because... This same Governor Cuomo during the coronavirus pandemic at the very beginning of the outbreak of the COVID-19 last spring, uh, amid, the, amid that, that outbreak of COVID-19, Governor Cuomo made the claim and he said this, he said, no life, is any, no life is expendable. The first order of business is to save lives, period, no matter whatever the cost. Yet he signed a law into effect that legalizes abortion up to birth for nearly any reason. It doesn't seem to make sense to me that you can be pro-life when it comes to COVID-19, but you can be against life when it comes to taking the life of innocent babies from their mother's womb. Well, I want to declare today, and I, I trust that everybody here today will be in agreement with what I have to say, but I want to declare today that God Almighty is against the tragic, horrendous, pathetic, grisly abortion business today. I said God is against it. In the book of Proverbs, the, the Bible gives us there seven things which God hates and there are some things that God does hate. Can I get an amen? And he lists seven things there in Proverbs chapter 6 that God hates. And one of the things that he says that God hates is hands that shed innocent blood. And I'm going to tell you this, this morning, saints, that the victim in an abortion ranks at the most innocent victim that you could ever could ever, could ever fathom that innocent child, that, that innocent victim, that unborn child that is sentenced to death. That would have to be the shedding of innocent blood, and God is against that, and God hates that. So when you think about abortion today in the United States, legalized abortion in the United States, who can we say are the conspirators in this atrocity? Who are the ones that are guilty before God when it comes to abortion? 
I think number one, you have, to, you have to put the blame where it lays. Number one, it has to be with those Supreme Court justices who voted in favor of Roe versus Wade in 1973. I think that you have to lay the blame as well on Planned Parenthood who every single day advise and encourage young ladies to seek abortions. They're not, see, they're not advising them for al, a, a alternate means, but they're advising them to seek abortions and encouraging to do so. You have to put the blame, I think, also on greedy physicians who put the almighty dollar above their Hippocratic oath to preserve life at any cost. And then there's the uh, owners of the abortion clinics who are getting rich off of those chambers of death. And those are just a few that we can put the blame on today for the atrocity that's taking place in the United States today. But I believe, too, that we have to lay a little bit of the blame, a lot of the blame probably, at the doorstep of Christians who are pro-choice but yet will go to the polls and vote for abortion. Hallelujah. Oh, here we go. Somebody said, you know, not here not too long ago that, you know, preachers need to get off of politics. Listen, this is not a political message today. This is about morality. This is about the Word of God. This is about how God feels about this particular uh, situation that's going on in the world today. But according to the World Health Organization, if you can believe what they say, but according to the World Health Organization, the United States of America has the highest abortion rate among developed nations. I thought that was, that was terrible to think that, to, to, to find that out. And I, when you think about the atrocity of, of abortion, of killing the human, uh, taking all these human lives, you know, you think, listen, that wicked baby killer Herod that had all of the babies two years old and, 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 and under that was slaughtered there during the time of the birth of Jesus, that wicked baby killer Herod will have to step back and go to the end of the line at judgment and Pharaoh who ordered all of the male babies to be thrown into the Nile River and to be destroyed at their birth will have to step aside because they have both been outdone by this God so-called God-blessed United States of America. I think it's a shame today that our nation has come to this place and we as believers, we have, as Christians, have got to stand up against what is going on today and we've got to speak out against it. Can I get an amen today? In Proverbs chapter 12, you know, the Bible says this, says that in the way of righteousness is life and in its pathway there is no death. In the way of righteousness uh, there is life and in its pathway there is no death. See, life is a wise choice according to the Bible and according to what the Word of God says. So we're talking today about a baby. We're talking about babies with souls. We're talking about unborn babies with eternal souls since the moment of conception that are created in the image of Almighty God. We are talking about babies who have developed physically in the womb of their mother with beating hearts and with digesting stomachs and open eyes and hearing ears. We're talking about babies that feel pain and that are even seen on the ultrasound screen recoiling in pain trying to escape the forceps of their killers. If a coroner can determine a person is dead by the absence of brain waves and by the absence of a heartbeat, shouldn't the presence of brain waves and the presence of a heartbeat determine that there's life there? Amen. The argument always is, you know, that, um, well, you know, does, does life begin at conception? Yes, yes, the Bible declares that life does begin at conception. And that child, that baby in the womb of that mother is a living 
immortal, eternal soul. Can I get an amen? Now, when you consider life in the womb and the perspective that God gives from the Word of God, um, we, we, we look, look, at, look at what David said in the book of Psalms. And they'll put it up there, Psalms 139. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, uh, read it from the New Living Translation this morning. But Psalms 139 in the New Living Translation says this. This is... This is uh, This is David talking to the Lord, and he says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And listen to this. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. The King James says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before, notice this, verse 16, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Do you know what, what, what this passage in the Bible is telling us? It's telling us that when a woman is pregnant, that God Almighty is forming a child within that woman's body, within her womb. It's telling us that God is actually forming a human life. It tells us that both a wonderful and a fearful thing is being done inside of her. It tells us that that, that, that pre-born life, that child, is the object of the Father God's love and affection. And it tells us how precious God's thoughts are toward that unborn child. He said that I've written, he said I've written and recorded, and you've written and recorded in your book all of his life. So God has a plan for that unborn child, for that unborn baby. And so when does life begin? We need to settle that today. Let's, and, and we can only settle it through the Bible, through the Word of God. Let God answer that question. When does life begin? I know that there are some, you know, politicians and others that say that life does not begin until that baby is actually born. And so there's no life there to take. But according to the Bible, life begins at the conception of that child. In the book of Jeremiah, when God was calling Jeremiah as a prophet and he was giving him the call in Jeremiah chapter 1, these are the words that God spoke, that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah. He said, before I formed you in the womb, notice this, God said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. What does it say? When was Jeremiah ordained to be a prophet to the nations? Was it after he was born? No, God said that he had called and ordained Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations while he was still in his mother's womb. God said to this to Jeremiah, I sanctified you even before you came into your mother's womb. I called you and ordained you. Do you realize? Do you understand what that's saying? Do you know what Jeremiah's mother was carrying around for nine months in her womb? Was it a fetus? Was it just an embryo? Was it a mass of tissue? No, for nine months, Jeremiah's mother was carrying in her womb a prophet of Almighty God. A prophet of God was in her womb. And if that baby had been a someone in God's eyes would have killed a prophet of Almighty God that had already been called and ordained to be a prophet to the nations. That's what the Bible says. I said that is what the Bible says. Amen. That should answer the question right there. You know, that should put an, put an, put an end to the issue if you're going to, if we are going to accept what the Bible says about when life begins then life begins.
begins at conception and life is, that baby is alive and an eternal living soul while it is inside of that mother's womb being knit together, formed and made by the hand of Almighty God. God knows them. God has a plan for them and for an abortion to take place would be to murder a helpless, innocent child. I hated to kill all this good singing and worship this morning, but it's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to come to the place where we're going to be faced more with this in the days ahead. Amen? We're going to come to that place. God has a special plan for each person. doesn't matter what the circumstances are of how an individual has been conceived in the womb. God has a plan for that person. I read this some months back, but uh, I thought it was interesting. It said, would you consider abortion in any of the following four situations? The first one was this. Here's the scenario. There's a couple who are very, very poor. They already have 14 children. Now the wife learns that she's pregnant with the 15th. They're living in total poverty. So due to their poverty, would you recommend that she get an abortion? How many knows that many in that situation would say, yeah, yeah, they're so poor, they already have 14 kids. They're, they would, society today would recommend an abortion. But if you would recommend an abortion in that situation and in that scenario, you would have just murdered the great evangelist and preacher John Wesley. The founder of Methodism, the great evangelist that brought revival to England. Here's a second scenario. A father is sick with syphilis. The mother has tuberculosis. They have four children already. And the first child is blind. The second is deaf. The third is deaf. And the fourth has tuberculosis. And so the wife found out, finds out that she's pregnant again. Would you recommend an abortion in that situation? If you said yes you would have just aborted and killed Beethoven. The third situation is a white man rapes a 13-year-old black girl and she gets pregnant. If you were her parents, and many would in this situation, would recommend it, but if you were her parents, would you recommend that that 13-year-old girl receive an abortion? And if you would say yes to that situation in that case, you would have just killed a lady by the name of Ethel Waters. And I don't know if you know who Ethel Waters was, but she was a jazz singer that gave her heart to the Lord and got saved. And she became a singer who sang with the Billy Graham Crusades. And Ethel Waters was the lady that was famous for the quote that she said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no joke. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. But all of the circumstances would point to what had happened there. All the circumstances by today's standards would point to, well, she should just go ahead and have an abortion. That would be okay. It would be allowable in that situation. And here's the fourth scenario. A teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. Her fiancé is not the father of the baby. And he is very upset. Would you or should she consider abortion under those circumstances? And anybody that would say yes to that, you would have just sanctioned the murder of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell you today that God has a way of turning something that can seem terrible into something that can seem beautiful. And that God has a plan for every single life, for every person. Not everybody finds their plan, the plan of God for their life. But God has a plan for you and for every baby and for every child. And it's not the will of God that these unborn babies be murdered. Can I get an amen? 
man. God can turn a mess into a miracle. God can take any situation and, and, and work it out for his good if it's put in the hands of the Lord. And so we have to conclude today based on the word of God that abortion is no more than legalized the murder of an innocent baby that's plain and simple. That's the way it is. And in our nation, this is considered a wise choice by many. It's considered a wise choice, but it is not a wise choice because it is choosing death over life. Can I get an amen today? Let me tell you what Senator Zell Miller and I, 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 I found this quote the other day. Last night, actually, Senator Zell Miller was a senator from Georgia some years ago. I think he was actually the governor of Georgia at one time. And I was surprised to find out that he was a Democrat. But he said this, We have aborted an entire generation of American workforce. We have aborted future parents, engineers, doctors, farmers, scientists, teachers, and an entire generation of taxpayers. America cannot and will not survive this attack upon itself. It's not a wise choice. It's only, it's not only the death of an unborn child that takes place when an abortion is performed, but it's also the death to us. And this is what's so serious about it today, saints. It's also death to us as a nation. Because we today in America, and I know this is not the popular thing to say, and it doesn't bring a lot of amens, and it doesn't bring a lot of cheers, and you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't fit in with your best life now scenario, but can I tell you that we as a nation are facing the cursing of God and the judgment of God for allowing and sanctioning this practice in the United States of America. This atrocity that is taking place every single day in America, God is going to judge this nation for that. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is long-suffering. He's stretching out His hand of love and mercy today, but I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen that this nation will not escape the judgment of God for the 60 plus million babies that have been slaughtered and aborted in America since 1973 the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people God deals differently with nations than He does individuals. Praise God. So God said, I call heaven and earth to witness today against you. Choose life. Could we say today that God is against America? Oh, I don't know. Do I need to just pack up and leave here today? Huh? We don't like to hear that. But is God against America? He is. And there is judgment coming. And maybe we're going to see it sooner than what we would think or what we would expect. Possibly the outcome of the recent presidential election is nothing more than God allowing something to happen to bring the judgment of God upon the United States of America. But the Bible says in our text that we read in verse 20 of Deuteronomy 30 that you are to love the Lord your God and obey His voice and cling to Him for He is your life, He's the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land. See, the wise choice is for us to determine that we are going to love God, that we're going to love His Word, so as to obey it and, he, and adhere to it all the days of our lives. And today we're living in a day where humans are targeted, human beings created in the image and the likeness of God. Human beings are being targeted 
targeted for destruction. Are you listening to me? I mean, the unborn now, but the elderly's just around the corner. Amen? If something isn't done, if the Lord tarries His coming, and, uh, that, you know, we're going to even see, I believe we'll even see them. There's, there's a plan now to, to depopulate, to reduce the population of the world and of the nation. And they're going to start with folks... Starting to get my, they're going to look to Medicare folks first. Come on, somebody. But the move is on. The plan is there. It may not be out there right now, but, 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 but to target the destruction of human beings, the unborn and the elderly. Listen, the Endangered Species Act pr- protects amphibians and birds and clams and lobsters and fish and reptiles, mammals, snails, plants and their unborn offspring and you can get fined or put in jail for taking the life of, of, of some particular frog or snail or animal that's under the Endangered Species Act that's protected by that but there's nothing that protects the unborn, the life of an unborn human baby could it be that that's what Paul referred to when he said in the last days when the perilous times would come that one of the things we would see would that would be that men would be without natural affection that's where we're at today where we will protect an an animal but we'll not protect the life of an unborn child something's desperately wrong today in America and that's why I said a while ago we've got to have revival today within the church and within our nation that's the only hope that America has today amen so what should we do there's a lot of things that we can do one thing we cannot do we can't be neutral we can't think that well it's Congress's problem or it's a political problem I'm not you know well I'm not pro-abortion so it's not my problem but you know it is our problem it's your problem it's my it's the church it's a problem that the church has to face the believers have to face so what are we to do what should we do well what we are not to do we cannot we're not to act react in violence I don't believe that God's calling us to burn down abortion clinics I don't believe God. I don't believe God's calling us to to shoot uh, uh, to to murder people that are performing abortions. That's not the answer, ladies and gentlemen. Especially not for believers. But what are we to do? We can first of all we can be informed. We don't need to bury our head in the sand and ignore the issues and uh, think that just because we ignore the issues that they're going to go away because they're not. We need to be informed first of all. But we also need to continue to work and continue to pray for a constitutional amendment and uh, you know we thought this was our chance to 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 uh, you know for God to move we've got we've got justices now in the Supreme Court that are conservative justices and um, uh, but you never know what decision they're going to make amen you never know what they're going to choose to do it's amazing but we as a church need to continue to work and to pray for an amendment that's the thing that the left is so afraid of with the conservatives is that 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 there will actually come a time that we could actually repeal we could repeal Roe versus Wade and stop abortion from being legal in the United States of America will that ever happen I pray that it does will it happen I don't know but I pray that it does amen and I know people there will be those that will disagree with that but we need to continue to pray and we need to continue to go to the polls and we need to continue when it's election time to vote for life. I said to vote for life. You cannot as a Christian go to the ballot box and place your vote for somebody that supports the slaughter of innocent babies. You can't do that as a Christian. Amen. Or oh me. Hallelujah. 
I know some professing Christians that do that. God help us. They need to pray through. <laughs> we need to continue to, to teach sexual morality at home and within the church. That sex outside of the confines of the marriage vows is sin before God. It's wrong. We need to continue to teach that. I know that is not popular. Brother Rick, we're living in a day today, you know, where, you know, well, God knows and everybody just does their own thing. Listen, sex outside of marriage is sin. It's adultery. It's fornication. And it's wrong. He didn't know y'all were going to get so blessed today, did you? So we need to teach that in our churches. We need to teach that to our teenagers. We need to teach that to our children. Keep yourself pure until you are married. Because see, listen, regardless of what they may try to get you to believe today, a lot of abortions, a, a big part of abortions are just because of its, of its convenience to be used as birth control. That went over real good. We need to speak out clearly without apology against abortion. Isaiah said in Isaiah 51, 58, 1, he told Isaiah, God told Isaiah, said, Cry aloud and spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin." See, the one voice that ought to speak has been primarily silent, and that's the voice of the church. And nobody else is being silent. And, that, and they're trying to silence now the voice of the church. Every conservative voice, Christian voice, those that are speaking the Word of God and proclaiming what the Bible says, the, the move is on today to silence those voices of the conservatives of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, we've got to find, we've got to find uh, an avenue, a ways, a means, and we've got to stand up, and we've got to preach, and we've got to declare and tell, uh, tell, tell everybody what the Word of God says. Amen? The government and Hollywood and the atheists and the humanists, they've all been speaking. The politicians has all been speaking. Everybody's speaking their part. Well, it's time for God's people. It's time for the church to stand up and speak and declare. We got some folks here that's been in Facebook jail more than they've been out of Facebook jail. Amen? But it's time that we speak. It's time that we rise up. It's time that we lift our voice as a trumpet as the church and declare. Declare, hallelujah, what thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Amen. We are supposed to speak out and we are supposed to raise our voice to protect the innocent. Proverbs said, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth. Don't act like you don't know what's going on. But we've got to stand up and we've got to speak up today. Amen. Martin Niemeller was a German pastor who was imprisoned in Germany for opposing the Nazis. And he, uh, he talked about the gravity of remaining silent. And he said they first came for the communists. But he said, I didn't speak up, I didn't say anything because I was not a communist. And then he said they came for the trade unionists. And I didn't speak up because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. He said, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. But he said, then they came for me, and by that time there was no one left to speak up for me. So we've got to speak up today. We need to speak with the voice of a trumpet, not to stutter, not to stammer, with no apology and with no fear. We must not let up, we must not back up, and we must not shut up until Jesus comes and we are taken up. Can I get an amen today? I'm going to tell you something today, that people who will vote to kill babies will vote to kill Christians. It's in their heart. And we need to have more compassion for the unwed mother. 
We will preach against the sin of premarital sex. But you know, once a mistake is made, we don't kick that person out. We need to show them the compassion. So many times, I think the church a lot of times have actually, has actually driven um, these unwed mothers to Planned Parenthood and to the abortion clinics. We need to be the one that takes them under our wings. Listen, there, there's only one unpardonable sin, and that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. All sin is forgivable. All sin. Jesus died for everybody, and he died for all sin, and there's forgiveness in Jesus for every sin. So we don't want to drive those who've made those mistakes. We don't want to drive them into the arms of the abortionists. We don't want to be judgmental. We're not being condemning. And I don't know, I don't think, I don't know if there's anybody in this congregation or anybody that's watching today that's, that's had an abortion. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. Yeah, there's, there's, there's guilt and there's condemnation that comes with that. But you know what? There's also forgiveness if that person can, will turn to the Lord. There's healing. And so we as a church, need to have compassion on that unwed mother. We need to offer the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the one thing that we need to do in all these things that, that I've mentioned, the one thing that we must do goes back to what I said earlier before I even began to preach. We have got to pray for God to have mercy on the United States of America. We need to pray that God will give this nation a space, another space to repent. We need a revival today, ladies and gentlemen and it's got to begin in the church it's got to begin with you and I and if, if we'll call out to God it's time for us to call out to the Lord and for the church listen for the church to get right with the Lord and to get on fire for God and to be salt and light in this earth today amen second chronicles 714 still says if if my people Who's he talking to? He's talking in that context. He was talking to Israel. But he's talking to the church today. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God said, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Hallelujah. We've got to do our part. And it's time for the church to get on their knees and get a hold of God and pray for a move of God, for a revival like we've never seen before. That God will hold back the judgment that's coming and be merciful to America. I'm not nearly as concerned about what Russia or China is going to do to America as I am concerned about what God is going to do to America. Because we're on God's naughty list right now. Hallelujah. I'm praying for the day, living for the day, that we have a revival of righteousness again in America. And I want to believe that that day is coming. I want to believe that time is coming. That time when God, when God Almighty, God Himself, not, not any preacher, not a president, but God Himself is going to do something for the United States of America. Amen? Do you, do you long for that? Do you desire that? Do you want to see a, a burning, sweeping, moving uh, Holy Ghost revival take place in America again? What's well, going to have to... God's our only hope, but it's got to begin with the church. I got under conviction the other day when I saw a post that a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, had put on Facebook. I mentioned this at the prayer meeting yesterday. But it says this, he said this. He said, if you can't get one of ten of your congregation out to a prayer meeting, do I need to start over? If you can't get one out of ten of your congregation out to a prayer meeting, maybe you should stop blaming the Democrats for everything that's wrong in America. That went over real well, didn't it? 
But if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It's easy for us to blame our government. But we need to lay some blame upon the church and humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God in these last days. Amen? Worship team, make your way back. On September the 11th, 2001, how many knows what happened? September the 11th, 2001 was the day that some demon-possessed men hijacked some airplanes and flew them into the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, and 35, over 3,500 people died on that day. And there was, a, there was an outcry because 3,500 Americans died that day. There was a call for swift justice. We're going to find the perpetrators of this. We're going to hunt them down. They're going to, to, to pay for what they did. Justice will be served for what they did in killing 3,500 Americans on that day, and which it should have been. Justice should be served, and it was to a degree. But do you know what? On September the 12th, 2001, 4,000 people died. And on September the 13th and the 14th, and the 15th, and the 16th, and every day since then, every single day, 4,000 human lives are lost because of abortion. And where is the outcry for that? Where are the people that are crying out for justice to be done? Because of the murder of the innocent and the unborn. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. This is the day when we need to be aware of what's happening in our nation. And if, if listen, if you can't do, do anything else, pray and seek God. And pray for His mercy. And pray that God would turn things around. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of like, you know, the same thing happened in Israel. The same thing happened in Israel when they went into Baal worship and they offered their children as sacrifices to Moloch. It was a, it was a god that, was, that was, had its arms out and they would build a fire and heat that molten god up until it was red hot and lay their living babies in the arms of that, of that, of that, uh, of that image with them screaming and with them crying and, and murder them and offer them. Listen, we're not serving Moloch but the same spirit that was behind Behind the Baal worship and the offering of, the, of, of those babies to Moloch is the same spirit today, abundant life. It's the same spirit that's working today to destroy and to murder the unborn. And we need to rise up, believers, and we need to pray, and we need to get close to God. We've got to have a revival like we've never had before. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah.